Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Just a reminder that Diet Starts Tomorrow is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical advice. Always seek the advice of a physician or a health professional. Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow. I stand behind my decision to avoid salad and other disgusting things. With me, Remy Casimir. I'll have what she's having. And me, Emily Lubin. Remember, shoot like you have a secret. We're here to amuse your boosh. Hello and welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Emily. And I'm Remy, and we have been talking a lot lately about New Year's resolutions and wanting to be our best selves or different, just a little different this upcoming year. So we wanted to bring on this guest today because she has an incredible story about a resolution that changed her whole outlook on life and work and everything. And we're very inspired by her. So welcome to the podcast, comedian and writer Emily Winter. Hello. Thank you for having me. So happy to be here. Hello. We're so happy to have you. We're so happy to have you. Live from her car. Live from my car in Los Angeles. (laughs) Too much. We're all remote today, but there is something (laughs) pretty edgy about the car recording. It's a little bit like punk rock. I like it. It's reminding me of COVID. (laughs) When like you didn't want to record in your house because like so many people could hear you talking about them. You had to go do therapy in a, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, you know, like Remy said, we wanted to bring you on because you have a really cool story about setting a resolution that honestly seems very scary to both of us. So (laughs) in 2018, you set out to accumulate 100 professional rejections. Can you tell us what made you think to do that? Yeah. So so at the end of 2017, I had just uh, been rejected from a job at The Daily Show. And, you know, I... When you're writing for TV, you have to do a packet to, you you know, you, you get to submit one packet. I remember everybody submitting for that. Yes. Yeah, so you submit one packet and then they're like, okay, you, good job. You move on to round two. Now we yeah. need you to drop everything and submit another packet. Um, so I did mm-hmm. that. And then they brought me in for an interview and I didn't get the job. And I like, it just kind of crumbled and it's not, you know, it's hard to get, it's hard to get your hands on these packets and these opportunities in the first place. And I was just like, I don't know if I can be any better than I already, I I don't know if I could try any harder or be any better, but I need to either do like one big push for my career or just like move home, move back to the Midwest, open a muffin shop, Mm -hmm. you know, do something different with my life. Yeah. We've all had that thought, by the way. (laughs) My alternate life is moving upstate and I make jam. (gasps) Oh, I love it. Do you have a good jam name? No, I need to think of one. Maybe we could brainstorm. Space jam. Um, (laughs) No, I my alternative life is moving to Portland and becoming a kindergarten teacher. These are nice lives. I can see that for you. Isn't that great? great? I want to move to Wisconsin and open a bar called Poseidon's Castle that's all like underwater themed and has an event space. (laughs) I love that. I also do want to open a bar called Bar Mitzvah and every night is a bar mitzvah. That's awesome. I don't want to work in nightlife. It's true. my, My secondary thing is 
in Brooklyn, there's a street called DeKalb, DeKalb Avenue. And I think somebody needs to open uh, a kiosk. Corn on DeKalb. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> sick. That needs to be a thing. <laughs> and the fact that no one's done it, like I see an opening there, but yes. I don't know if I'm the one to do it. I really want to open a breakfast tapas place called Top of the Morning. And it's just <laughs> little <laughs> eggs and little French toast. And like, because you never want, you're like, oh, forget the French toast and I can't have the eggs. It's all just little things. And anyway, yeah. Somehow and even though it. these are very sweet alternative lives, there are still rejections in each of these little things. You know, like my kindergartners could tell me I smell every single day. That wouldn't be fun. Uh, Corn on the cob could have off seasons. Like this isn't just specific to entertainment. Every job has rejections Um, beyond professional life. You know, you get rejected in daily life. So if anybody's thinking, oh, this this episode is not going to be for me because it's just entertainment. It applies across the board. Absolutely. I, t- I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we like our alternative lives because in our heads, there's no sadness, but there's sadness in those lives. Yeah. There's tons of sadness. 100%. Right. Like it wouldn't exactly be a Hallmark movie either way. Right. But it is fun to think about. But um, I, I guess you kind of already answered this, but how has rejection impacted you prior to this resolution. It sounds like you were kind of having a little bit of a mental breakdown. I totally was. You know, I've always been really hard on myself and um, coming to, you know, moving to New York when I was 22 or whatever. And and then I eventually started stand up and was trying to be a writer. It was all very tough because I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. And Mm -hmm. I think like doing this helped change something in my brain about me, if that makes sense. Um, Just sort of getting used to being rejected all the time. So if I, I set my goal for a hundred like exposure therapy, it's total exposure therapy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I had gotten the idea. I think I saw a poet that was trying to get rejected 50 times or had done this sort of similar experiment. And I was like, well, poetry seems like it takes longer than telling jokes on stage. So I'm going to go for a full hundred because we have tons of opportunities to get rejected. You're like, I'm going to be better at rejection <laughs> yes, than you. Yes, yeah, I'm very competitive. So I was like, your little poetry, 50. Um, yeah, so it was really helpful to just have to take so much rejection in such a short amount of time and be really diligent about it because like I every time I would get rejected I would get a little endorphin rush because I would get to put it on my little yeah, spreadsheet exact because you're like accomplishing your goal yes, too you're yeah like, this is what I set out for actually so, so thank you it was like a win-win slash lose-lose but I was like mm-hmm. you know every, if I got something I'd be like oh my gosh I got this gig or whatever I'm so excited but I don't get to add it to my little spreadsheet so everything had a positive impact whether it was for the spreadsheet or just for my life so it kind of took the pressure and it off was, it was for a year like you had like a time limit yeah on so the 100 rejections I just made my new year's resolution do 100 re- get 100 rejections in a year I ended up getting 107 because I'm an overachiever <laughs> but it was it was really great I didn't think that anyone would care but this is I mean back in 20. 20- 18, we were still using Facebook regularly. So I like put it on Facebook, like, oh, I'm doing this. I just hit my, you know, it's three months in and I've just hit my 25th rejection. And people like 
were really into it. So I was like, okay, I'll like document it. Yeah, this is cool. And yeah, um, yeah it was it was super helpful, super fun. It, it's like still to this day, like I don't take rejection as personally. I mean, that said, I did mm-hmm. just go through a depressive funk after the writer's strike when I lost my job that I thought I was going back to. So like, you know, it doesn't fix everything, but yeah, it helps. Yeah. But that not taking it personally too, like the, the first thing when you said The Daily Show, I was like, I remember everybody getting rejected from that. Yeah. Like it was all anyone could talk about on Twitter was, did you submit your packet? I submitted my packet. Okay, it's in. I got rejected. I got rejected. I got rejected. You know, so it's like, they're not just rejecting you. There were only so many spots. Oh, right. There was one spot. It was taken up by two writers that had worked at Last Week Tonight. So I was like, I don't even have that kind of resume, you know, like, but yeah. And and I think the thing is like, of course, we're getting rejected from TV shows all the time. um, But there is something to going through the whole process of like, okay, the first packet they liked, the second packet they liked. Now it's, you know, and you're Mm -hmm. just like, I'm so close. I can taste this one. Whereas, like, I've been rejected from Fallon 700 times, which is probably for the best because I may have not made it out of there alive. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but, like, those were just on the first packet. So it doesn't, like, hurt as much. But, yeah, anyway, something about this one made me spiral and just be like, you have to go a thousand and one percent or quit. No, I think a lot of people can relate to that also because in a lot of jobs, they do have multi-step interview processes. And it is true, the closer that you get, the closer that you feel like that job is already yours, yes, even though mine. it's not. Yeah. So like by the third step, you're like, okay, I got this in the bag. Everybody loves me here. And then, but you can still get rejected. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. So you ended up getting 107 rejections, yes. but you also got 39 acceptances. I ended up getting yeah. 43 even like after. Oh, so I had the wrong number. Some came in after the year. So it like turned out to be a perfect 150. Um, yeah. So that was great. And like, oh, that's so satisfying. It was, yes. There is something about that number. I was like, oh, wow, this turned out really nicely. Um, <laughs> although 107 <laughs> rejections is tough. Uh, 43 acceptances is wonderful. And, you know, pretty good ratio. A pretty good ratio. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm sure when I was 22, my ratio would have been, you know, way worse. But uh, yeah. 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 And even even as somebody who's been in the business for a while, like it's still not a I still wouldn't even want that as my softball batting average. You know what I mean? Like it's still bad. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. Well, so out of those acceptances, how many of those were jobs that you actually wanted? Mm -hmm. So a few really big ones. Like one thing that I had always been afraid of was submitting to Shouts and Murmurs for The New Yorker, like their humor. So what? Yeah, yeah. So like I was like, OK, I'm going to do this. I, I wrote so I took I spent so long, like I spent like maybe 80 hours on my first submission and I got it. And I was like, wow, that's incredible because I always thought I was too dumb for shouts and murmurs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, I'm not. If I put in the work, I can do it. So that was huge for me. Um, and then another one that I really, really loved, I worked for this NPR show called Ask Me Another. And I got that in 2018. Um, and that was, it's like a trivia comedy show. It's RIP. I think it, it ended in 2021, which is too bad because I loved it. Um, but that was my favorite job that I've <laughs> ever had. So that was very cool. Uh, your favorite yeah. job that you've ever had yes yeah absolutely wow only, so that's that came out of this too yeah it came out of this um it unfortunately npr isn't gonna pay the way that uh you know be writing for a tv show will so that's the downside but um yeah it was awesome 
what's so interesting too is like okay yeah you don't want that as your batting average but it's it, you made it public but most things unless it's your public batting average mm-hmm. aren't public yeah and so what most people just see is the stuff that you did get yes you know and they're not looking at all of the failures or the rejections or whatever they're just like oh she worked there and there and there and like that's something I mean it's like the social media of it all where you only see people's wins right but that's why I think this project is so cool because it's like okay you're not alone like everybody always says applying for a job is a full-time job Mm -hmm. and Yet still, every time somebody is doing it and I have somebody very close to me who's getting rejected over and over and over again, I'm like, this would be a great story for them to hear because eventually you don't get rejected. Right. But the thing that does trip you up is thinking that that rejection is so embarrassing. You know, like there are so many things that I would not even put myself out for because I'm like, I don't want to get rejected from it. Like I would rather not try Right. Then have somebody, you know, yeah, make that decision for me. Absolutely. But like the New Yorker thing, I don't remember who said it on this, but they were like, let somebody else tell you that you're not worthy. Like, don't tell yourself that first. Right. Right. No, that's such a good point. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hard because it's like who these these people that you don't even know that might just be having a really bad day have like so much power over you (laughs) and that's just like oh it doesn't feel it doesn't feel safe to give people that much power but we do I mean you know but I think if you kind of like you were saying exposure therapy lessen the impact of every single one it's a little bit easier do you remember your first life rejection my first life rejection yeah, like one that like really hurt your feelings. You know, so all of these were professional related. And also I think like I'd just gotten engaged or was just about to get in- Anyway, so like I kind of felt like my – it was cool to have a nice foundation of a personal life going into this. But the first rejection mm-hmm. I had um, – this is really stupid. But at the time I had a podcast, like a mini series called How to Produce Live Comedy because I produced so much um, back in New York. And um, I had asked this guy to be a guest because he was really good at producing out of town shows. And I was like, you have something that I don't understand. I would love to have you on the pod. Totally not a big deal. But he was like, no, I'm not giving away my secrets on your little podcast. And I was like, oh, and I was like, so sad. And I was just like, why do I care so much? Um, But (laughs) he's just like some guy who's like, whatever, you know, but it just I, I think when they come out of nowhere, you're not expecting it. You ever get like an email that you don't that like yeah. makes you sad and you're just like, oh, no, but I I was just you're like, I'm never going to reach out to anybody ever again. Yes. Never mind. And they come at like the weirdest times. You're like, oh, I was in line for the bathroom at brunch and now my day is ruined, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Gatekeeping live comedy production. Yeah, I know. I'm like, just <laughs> say it. <laughs> just share the wealth a little bit. Do you remember your first life rejection that mattered to you? Yeah. You know, when I was in elementary school, I ran for class president. And, you know, I'm not salty about this. I actually have not thought about it until this very moment (laughs) that you asked me. But my speech was good. Okay. Mm -hmm. And but we know that like school class president elections, it's a popularity contest. Yeah. So I really put a lot of time and effort into like, what would I do to make our days better? And I worked on my speech. I did everything. And the person who won 
literally just got up there and talked about making like snack time longer. I knew yeah. I was going to be like, uh, yeah, we're going to get Cheetos in the vending machines. Literally. And me. like, I should have thrown in something fun like that. I didn't really know how to be a politician at the time. You were but, like, we're going to uh, have diplomacy yeah, with the high school. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that really hurt. Mine was, um, we had this thing in high school called PAL, Peer Assistant Leadership. And it was like the juniors and seniors, you got to be like a PAL leader to like a little group of ninth graders. And I really wanted to do that because I loved my PAL leaders and like what they did for me. And it was like a, like a little sibling kind of program, but you mm-hmm, had like your cute. own class. And I got rejected from it because of my grades. Like they were like, you're not like doing well enough to be inspirational to younger people. Oh, no. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. I will never apply for anything as long as I live. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That, you know, that just doesn't seem fair because there's lots of ways that you can be successful and not be like the perfect student. No, now I force myself into a job where I give people advice, <laughs> whether they want right. it or not. Right. That's insane. You can always carve your own path. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to newly, that's N-U-U-L-Y dot com and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. While you were doing this experiment, how long did it actually take for you to start seeing acceptances come in? Mm. Good question. Um, I don't remember feeling like I would never get one. So I'm sure I had, you know, and like also with comedy, like, you know, there's like little things that you can like just asking somebody to be on a show that like you're like, maybe I'll get this. Maybe not. I don't know. Like, so I think pretty, pretty early on. So these weren't all packet rejections. No, no. Oh, my God. They weren't all writing. Professional. I wish I had 100 opportunities to be rejected from writing. That's like that's the hardest part, I think, of being a writer is that these opportunities are so hard to get that when you get one, you're just like, oh, my God, I can't screw it up. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So some of it was stand up. Some of it was writing. Some of it, yeah. I mean, I even, I think that was the year I even tried out. I did an acting thing, and I am not an actor. I, I, 
I can't. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. But sometimes if somebody is like, here, try it. You could be good at it. You just get a little yeah. starry eyed and you're like, maybe I'm a star, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a big fail. That was really bad. And, uh, but that's okay. It, it, yeah. No, I it, I just the way do you know when you sweat so nervously that you just like smell like a different person. That's how I smelled. <laughs> yes. That's how I smelled after that audition. And I was like, this is not a smell I ever want to smell again. Um, fast forward like three years. I also auditioned for a part on the TV show I was writing for. So I didn't learn my lesson. But again, it was somebody being like, you're good at a table read. You should try. And I'm like, mm, you know, maybe this really is the real me and then I was like no 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 so yeah but also maybe sweating like a different person is just you getting into character that's me. yeah, this yeah you're being method this that's your body reeks. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I relate to you so much because I I'm so not an actress and I think like but but you do get starry-eyed when somebody says you're good at anything yes. and you're like well maybe this this is the problem I've just been pursuing the wrong thing totally mm-hmm. totally yeah yeah were you discouraged at any point did you think about giving up um I thought maybe it was a dumb idea for a little while but then I think I think it was after three months that I started posting about it on social and people were really encouraging and really interested in it and I don't have like I've never been again it's kind of like the acting thing like I just don't I don't care about social that much and I don't you know like I try now because I know that it's like a necessary evil but part of it yeah back then I wasn't doing front-facing videos and doing all the stupid things that you're supposed to do so I was like wow people are paying attention to me on social why you know (laughs) um and I was like oh (laughs) this is really resonating for people so that's uh that's when I was like okay I, I I think I'm gonna see this out and at that from then on I wasn't too discouraged I mean I think that there was some rejections that I can't quite remember now that like seemed devastating at the time but you know yeah yeah it's always interesting when you're putting out stuff that like you don't respect and other people like it and then you're just like wait now I don't respect the audience (laughs) well actually so you we watched this video that you made about this very experience Mm -hmm. and you said you know the 100 rejections experiment Mm -hmm. if that's what we want to call it it won't positively impact you if you're not putting out high quality work um this is so important and and that makes sense like it makes sense you need to believe in the work that you're doing in order for Mm -hmm. the exercise to work but what I started thinking about was like how do you know if you're putting out work that's actually good because we second guess ourselves you respect that work yeah and like if you're facing rejection after rejection how can you actually view your work objectively objectively right it's so I think it's so hard and it's such a cool good thing to talk about especially I mean listen I don't this this is gonna be tough because I want I want to use some stereotypes here and uh they could be totally wrong you could be listening to this and being like that's this I'm the opposite of that strap in so I think that overall, what I've seen in this world is that women are too hard on themselves and men are not hard enough. Um, yes, so, I would agree. Yeah. Emily, how many shows have you done where like the audience really liked you and you're like, I could improve. And then a guy gets off after bombing and he's like, oh, I'm amazing. I'm awesome. Yeah. A guy, a guy will be like, I had a great set and a woman will never say more than this. 
that was fun. <laughs> you know, it was good. <laughs> it's so true. They were nice. They were nice. Yeah, they were they were kind to yeah. me. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. So I don't even know how do we get on this. Oh, men and women, right? So, um, not to say that there aren't men who are you know trying really really hard and like belaboring over every little thing, and women who are just throwing you know crap at the wall to see what sticks, but. It, it is yeah. so hard, but I do think like, like there, there is feedback out there to find. And for example, like, you know, not every comedy show is going to have a great audience. Like sometimes you can tell, you can watch a great comic go up there and kind of eat it and be like, okay, so like if I don't do great, I'm going to sort of take that with a grain of salt. However, if you're consistently not getting laughs your comedy needs work. You know what I mean? Like you get, and <laughs> yeah. then for scripts, like, you know, if you, if you're sending scripts out to your friends and, um, you're never, if you're never getting a callback for a packet ever, 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 and you're sending s- scripts out to contests and friends and you're not getting positive feedback ever, like y- take classes, get better. Like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody's bad in the beginning. That's okay. Or bad for a long time. Um, that's totally fine. It doesn't mean you can't be good. It's just, you know, but I think to try to use some context clues without taking them as the entirety of your self-worth, and it's a really delicate balance. But I do see some people, and they are more men, and I, that's why I think this point is so important. And I didn't think about it while I was doing the experiment, but I've only had time to like reflect after. Um, me- like a lot of people, mostly men, being like, listen, I want to be an actor. I want to be a comedian. And so mm-hmm. me saying it makes me a comedian. No, you getting out there and doing the work and coming up with a lot of great jokes and working on it every day. That's what makes you a comedian, not just saying it. So I think you can kind of pervert the experiment in a negative way. If you're just like, huh, well, I tried for a hundred things and I didn't get any of them. So I did the work. That's not doing the work, you know, like yeah. you have to actually try Put out good stuff. Put out, Yeah. 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 I, I also think that th- a good litmus test is like if you saw somebody else make that joke or if you saw somebody else submit that packet or if you saw somebody else do that, whatever type of work, would you think that thing was good or is it just good because you did it? Right, 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 right. That's so true. Yeah, but that's that's hard, it's, though. It's so hard to I, I don't know, especially when you've spent time on something and like you can almost convince yourself that this works and you like things become your baby yes. you don't you aren't able to view it objectively mm-hmm. I mean it's something that I struggle with definitely I just mm-hmm. finished a script um like last week and I think it's like the greatest thing that I've ever written maybe ever written you know no I'm just yeah. like I'm in that little phase where I'm Congrats. oh thank That's you exciting. well you know what it might be crap um I but I'm in Could that be. that little phase where I'm in love with it because it's my baby and it's like the best like the, a clearer expression of myself than I've been able to achieve before so in that way I like love it and I'm so proud of it but I'm also you know now it's scary to put it out in the world but I think like time can be incredibly helpful I love to not read something that I'm working on for a few weeks and then come back or even a month or even a year sometimes yeah. if something is like just wasn't feeling quite right or was clearly just sort of mediocre it works with jokes too to come back and say like there's something here but time to approach it from a different angle and you can only do that when you're seeing it with fresh eyes you know mm-hmm. luckily this yeah. world this like life is so 
long and dreary sometimes. And I'm like, okay, well, I have time to go back and rework this old script. Yeah, I love that suggestion, actually, because that's that's the classic like I, I was a writing major in college. And that's the classic like you take a break, you go back a week later and then you mm-hmm. reread it and then see if you can adjust. Assuming you're not doing it the night before the deadline. Yeah, no. And you can't. Well, that's the tough part, too, because we love to procrastinate. Love but it. That's like you just get in your own head and you're seeing everything on a micro level. You need space away from that project. Totally. And then to see it with fresh eyes. And for but that's why I try to I like to visualize it in somebody else's voice, too, that I'm like, if I read this from another person, would I be like, what a dumbass? Or would I be like, <laughs> oh, I'm jealous that they had that thought? <laughs> I love you getting know? jealous of a joke. That's like, that's the highest compliment that you can give totally. somebody is like, I'm jealous totally. of that. Yeah. Um, My friends, if they got off stage and they did a good job, I'm like, I hate you. And they're like, thank you. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like giving a gift. Like when, when you're looking for a gift for somebody, you know, it's a good gift if you secretly want to keep it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so take from that what you will. That's totally true. So you wrote a book called One Day Smarter, which is a really fun trivia book with lots of so different fun. categories of fun facts. So random, these facts. It's pretty random. So <laughs> fucking fun. <laughs> I, I read one. I was like, is that true that um, Jay-Z was Beyonce's second boyfriend? Like she only had yes. one boyfriend before Jay-Z. Crazy. I guess she was like 21 when they got together. Virgo. We are late She's bloomers. A Virgo. And you know, Remy and I are similar. We're like... No relationships. Unless ben is my right second one. boyfriend. Yeah, Andy. Andy is my first boyfriend. Wow. <laughs> you know what? There's something there. But um. But anyway, that book that you wrote was actually born out of a rejection. Rejection. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell that story? Yeah. So um. After so, after the year of rejection, I went on the Today Show to talk about it, and the producer of my segment was like. I know when somebody's going to come on and like if, if their segment goes well, they get a book deal. This is ripe for a book deal. You're going to get a book deal. So I was like mm-hmm. heading into the new year being like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be so fun. I was thinking about what the book would be. I'm like, oh, I love writing about I love personal essays. So I love writing about rejection. I was like brainstorming. And I was like, then I was just sort of waiting for my little book and nobody emailed me or called me and I was like, okay, so maybe I have to go reach out to some agents. So because of the rejection thing, I had been included in a different book and I had met with an agent um, that I met through. It's boring. But anyway, because of the rejection thing, I met an agent. So I went to her and I was like, hey, listen, I'm supposed to write this book. It's my destiny. What do you say? And she was like, no, no, we don't want that book. (laughs) And I was like, okay, okay, uh, nice to meet you. Goodbye. Um, But then later uh, in the year, well, actually, that was, no, that was, it was over the pandemic. So an editor at Penguin Random House reached out and was like, listen, we're trying to find a comedian who has a trivia background. It's a very specific thing uh, to write a trivia book because we want it to be very light. And I was like, yes, but they were trying to pay me zero dollars because that's what I mean not zero but very little yeah just not enough to get the job done in a way that I would have wanted to do it you know um so I went to the agent and I was like could you agent this I really want to do this job but I can't do it for that little money I I literally will just run out of money and I can't I have to survive you know um Mm -hmm. so she got me a better deal and that's how the book 
was born. Yeah. And I, uh, I, you know, it was, it was so fun. I got to write it over the pandemic. I was really focused on uplifting trivia, um, because we were all in such a bummer mood all the time. So it was a great thing to do during that time. Yeah. And interestingly, I mean, I, I don't know, had you ever been on the Today Show before? Doing no. the rejections? No, they reached out so to me. Yeah. That was born out of rejection as well. Absolutely. And then when I came out with the trivia book, I reached back out to them and I was like, hey, uh, you know, I did this rejection thing. So it'd be pretty dumb if I didn't ask if I could come back on and plug yeah. my book. And they were like, sure, come on. So that was nice. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. And at that were point, you're any- so much more comfortable asking because you're like, Yes. Okay, what are you going to do? Reject me? This is like my thing now, actually. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Like it's a, it's a little <laughs> bit of an armor. Although, I mean, I do have to say like every time that I send an email where, you know, I'm a little scared that the answer could be no, I still I still get a little sweaty. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you hit send anyway. Yeah. You know, I was talking to our, our content manager, Lauren, about this because I have this like sales sensibility I used to do all the booking for my old podcast and um, I have this sales mind that's like if you don't tell me no I will keep asking oh I love that and the thing is you feel like you're being so annoying like asking somebody to come on your podcast and they're like oh I'm busy right now but circle back and until somebody tells me no I will keep asking and you feel so annoying but you would be shocked how many people really truly do end up coming on or they want to be a part of it. It's just, we convince ourselves that if they say no the first time, then it's no forever. That's Or if they amazing. don't answer, that's a no. Right, right. Because somebody told me once, no answer is an answer. And I'm not even sure that's true. Wait, what does that even mean? Like if somebody, if you ask somebody something and they don't reply, that's the answer. They don't want to do it. Somebody said that to me once and it's not necessarily true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it is. I think you need to be that cockroach that doesn't fucking die until they hit it with the raid. You don't know why they didn't respond. Maybe they saw it and they responded in their head. I do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think I responded, but I didn't. And then it's just like, oh, hey, extra nudge. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Or like yeah, I did, so did a thing where I had my I had so many fucking emails one year that I just wasn't reading. And then like. Three years later, I was like, I'm going to go clean out my emails. And I responded to people and they were like, LOL, this podcast doesn't exist anymore. Um, (laughs) But we have this other thing, you know, so it's like they might get back to you eventually. I love that. On that note, were there any other opportunities that were born out of rejection for you? Well, okay, so this is weird. I started doing like corporate talks about failure for this company. And so I love that you're the failure girl now. Yeah, I kind of like it. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like it because I don't feel the face of failure. I remember I used to have when I first moved to New York, I was a waitress in Times Square, but then I thankfully got a job. Yeah, no, it was so terrible. I thankfully got a job for this British Vogue editor and she was like always telling me to to not become a person who gives advice because you'll always end up looking like an idiot. And that has stuck with me. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, if I, cause you kind of set yourself up for failure. If you're like, I'm the perfect mother and wife and da, 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 da. And here's my, you know, then somebody sees you yelling at your kid in a grocery store and it's all off. Um, I think that's what she was getting at, but I, I, I always remember it. And so it's weird, um, that the, 
and feels fitting that the only thing I feel qualified to give advice on is failing. So that's fine with me. (laughs) No, I feel like that's how at least I feel on this podcast. Like when we're giving advice, we're giving it from a place of we are also currently struggling or have struggled. That's great. Um, On my other podcast, it was I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And that's why I'm starting this. Like, it is hard to just be somebody who's like, I'm giving advice and I know exactly uh, what I'm doing because that's just not human. Right. Most people yeah, have well, no idea what they're doing. I don't want to take advice from somebody who's never struggled with the thing that I'm struggling with. That's I'd rather really take point. advice Absolutely from somebody who not. has. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. I think it's also like that was a while ago, right? Like, I do think that the the culture has changed over the last like 15 years or whatever, um, where it's, it's totally okay to not have your shit together and people that pretend to uh, like seem like they're from another era, like an early aughts rom-com or something. I'm like, nobody Mm -hmm. is like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing too. If if somebody is like, I'm giving you a career podcast and I applied to my first job, got it. I applied to my second job, got it. You know, like, it's like, okay, well you, seem like you just have luck on your side because my life hasn't gone similarly or with the rom-com thing there are people that host um how to get a date how to fall into a relationship but it's always been so easy for them Mm -hmm. they've never experienced the rejection of uh going to a bar and going up to somebody and them saying no thanks they've never experienced the rejection of a situationship and you're like i mean that's so great for you that everything has fallen into place, but it doesn't seem like you're coming exactly from the angle of the average person. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Or you're hiding stuff from yourself. Like, sorry to say, everybody knows your husband's yeah. cheating on you except you. I don't know. Like, that happens, you know? Shots fired from Emily Winter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, there's a popular phrase in the woo-woo sphere um, that rejection is protection. So like kind of meaning that rejection might actually protect you from opportunities that maybe weren't really the right fit for you or wouldn't wouldn't have panned out the way that you maybe hoped they would. I'd love to get your take on that. Well, Fallon's a good example. I feel like I can say that now, now that um, his toxic work environment has been sort of like put out in the open, but it was an open secret before that. Um, But yeah, like. I actually think about, so I, this is an even stronger example. Um, After I was done working for my British Vogue editor for a year, she was moving back to London. So she hooked me up with her friend who needed an assistant at Miramax. And I interviewed to be an assistant um, that would have worked closely with Harvey Weinstein. She ended up hiring, she ended up hiring a guy and I was like, Oh, I guess I don't know why or whatever. But I was like, yeah, I, I, now today I'm like, I wonder if she was trying to protect these girls in their early twenties from Harvey Mm -hmm. Weinstein. And so she, she ended up going with the only guy applicant because I knew all about this from my boss. Yeah. So it's like rejection is protection. I was devastated at the time. I thought it would have been a really cool opportunity. Now I'm like, Oh my gosh, thank God. Oh wait, that's the best answer. That rejection literally was (laughs) your protection. Oh my God. That, that is so good. Insane. Um, so external validation can be kind of, an insatiable monster in this business. How do you manage the highs and lows of it? We kind of touched on it before, but it's like, 
you could feel like you're on such a high and then all of a sudden you could be rejected one time or just or not even rejected, but not get the validation you were seeking. And now you feel like a garbage person. Oh, my God. How do you deal with those highs and lows? I literally just had this happen. I had the best 2023 was like my best year of my life. And it was so fun. Um, I, I was on strike and I went to Wisconsin while I was on strike. <laughs> I stayed in a cabin. I was feeling great because my bosses were like, the show that you're writing on is coming back right when the strike is over. That's guaranteed. Um, there was this really awesome manager that had been like taking me to coffee. So I was like, well, he's in my corner. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is great. My life is awesome. And I got back to LA. The strike ended. Our show got canceled. The manager told <gasps> me to take a hike. And I was like, oh, no, everything I thought was a lie. And, you know, oh, this, my is, God. this is just like a few months ago. And I kind of did... A spiral a little bit because I just like was so I was so shaken and um honestly I like at this point I know that I can I'm I'm smart enough and funny enough to do these jobs right so like I I have figured that out so when I get so depressed I have to like fix it inside so I was started going back to therapy I started listening to more woo-woo books and um one thing that I love to do is like take a bubble bath and get high and listen to woo-woo books and then like it it makes me feel better yeah and I'm like listen today you are fine today you are on unemployment and it's awesome and it's a good day so get some writing done and just like chill out because today is okay (laughs) so yeah I mean it's I'm I'm feeling great now but like it did I definitely like was off kilter for like a month for sure yeah wow so when you say woo-woo books are they self-help books yeah like I just finished the power of now um which is all about living in the moment um I listened to what's that um you're not dying you're just waking up do you know that one Mm -hmm. that one no I don't know any of these I you know I probably should read them for personal reasons I mean it's I think it's just like it's kind of boring, honestly, because I I find uh, woo woo people to be like just horribly unfunny, and like they it's like you can't <laughs> hold the secrets of the universe and have a sense of humor about it at the same time, and that really bugs me. But um, I feel like it's like doing I'll like listen to one and then I'll like listen to a novel or something fun um, to just like clear it out. But I I do think it's helpful. It's just like a little tedious sometimes. You should write a book that is woo woo and funny and call it. Ha ha, woo woo. <laughs> I love that so much. It's a great suggestion. I think that like sometimes it can be hard to be funny if you're a woo woo person because you're not supposed to say anything self-deprecating. Yeah. And you're not supposed to be like disparaging about anybody else. But sometimes those are the funniest things. So we like avoid the funny because it's like, well, I don't want to say I'm a garbage person. But like... I feel like that right now. And it's kind of funny. Right. No, absolutely. Totally true. What you were saying before about just sit like post rejection or post the show getting canceled and the manager going away and just just sit in that and write and like enjoy the moment or whatever. Like that's something that I have been telling one of my friends specifically after a breakup, which can feel like the biggest rejection for a lot of people because it's like, oh, my God you know me and you don't want me they're rejecting the whole you yeah the all of it whether it's a romantic one or a professional one or whatever it is I always say like okay so try to enjoy the time 
between the that and the next one because you never know when the next one is coming Mm -hmm. so really like focus on yourself like if you are in a writing job you're not going to have a lot of time to do your own writing on the side if you are in a relationship if it's monogamous you're not going to be dating anymore so like date like you don't know when that next person is coming it could be fucking tomorrow yeah live like you don't know when that next job is coming because like you don't know when that next job is going to give you time off Totally. That's so true. And yeah, I'm like, oh, gosh, everyone that I know that's a TV writer out here is like everyone's panicking because the industry hasn't really gotten back on its feet yet. And and it's been difficult not to fall into that because, yeah, what what mm-hmm. am I we're all trying to get our next job so that what we can be tired and grumpy and not have time to see each other. No, let's go to yoga and have lunch. Let's make it nice, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah, classic, yeah. like me when I have a job, me when I don't have a job. Yes. It's the same picture. You're crying on the bathroom floor. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm trying not to cry on the bathroom floor and it's, yeah, trying to enjoy the moments that are in between that are so hard to, to come by, honestly. And if we're going to get woo woo about it, maybe try to see it not as a rejection from another person or another job, but see it as the universe rejecting you for protection for some off time. Yeah. Yeah. Or to like, Bang some randos if you've been <laughs> ousted from a relationship. I mean, if you if somebody dumps you, I feel like then it's just like, okay, they weren't going to be the best version of themselves for you yeah. anyway. They can't be the best version of yeah. themselves for you. Or like spend so much time alone. Cause like, what if you meet your fucking soulmate and like, yeah, they're great, but then they're always in your house. They're always You'll in never your house. Be alone again. Your alone time. What, no, um, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. You'll never be alone again. And hopefully you're happy with that person enough to be okay with that. But you are ne- you won't be alone the way that you were alone when you were single. Who was it? I think it was Whoopi Goldberg that was like, I don't want some man in my house. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that quote. And I relate to it so much. And I'm like, agreed. Like, I love Ben, but like, go away. For anybody dealing with breakups I this is a and I have a joke about this but and it took me years to write because I was so traumatized I literally did get dumped during sex with a penis inside of me so if you feel sad dumped while pumped dumped while pumped (laughs) wait a second yeah what yeah isn't that bad can you share yes I mean yes this guy was so okay do you okay this is so long ago do you guys remember um, Okay Cupid? I think it was Okay. Yeah. For oh sure. yeah. So it's still around. Um. Yeah. My sister just got married in September, and she met her husband on Okay Cupid, uh, which is crazy. But um, Okay Cupid. So he was like this little like coding nerd guy, and he like I don't know if you like were in the top fifty percent or whatever percent, then I don't know. You got to you got some little badge or some something being like you're cute or something. Like more people mm-hmm. liked you than not or so, some something stupid. You're to a make, top cupid. Yeah, yeah. And so okay. he like I I could see that, but he couldn't see. He did. He wasn't one, <laughs> and uh, he <laughs> couldn't see that I was one. But he like hacked in. So anyway, he, he once he realized that I was like desirable. He in? That's so. Funny. Yeah, he was like, oh, I found out that you were one of these people because I got this, this like list, and then then I wanted you, and I was like, okay, it, it was so bad. That's a red flag. 
so red flag. It was such a red flag from the beginning, but he was pursuing me so hard and I was kind of in a low place and I wanted to be pursued. And, um, and then mm-hmm. man, and he, he had like rich parents and whatever. He, he had this gift card to this amazing restaurant, but I didn't know he had a gift card cause he didn't tell me. And he tried to pay with the gift card while I was in the bathroom and I caught him anyway, red flags, <laughs> red flags all over this guy. Um, Anyway, but at the time you were probably like, well, he's frugal. Yeah, I was like, I just I actually think I was like, oh, and then I I was going to tell him that it was tacky. But then he went to the bathroom and took a selfie in the bathroom and posted it on social media. And I was like, what? I, now I have to tell him this is tacky. Anyway, this guy sucks. Right. So but I am like, I don't know. I'm in it for some reason. That is I or maybe you just like didn't have any other options at the time. I literally told myself, I think maybe the best thing to do is to settle. Um, oh, God. Yeah, I was in a that phase because like I was like, yeah. it's not working out if I'm trying to find like the it's just dating in New York is hard and sucks. Um, yeah. So then he and he was moody. Anyway, he was being really moody. He went we went to brunch with my roommate one day. He was being really moody and we came back and we we had been watching The Wire. So we start watching The Wire, you know, sexiest show alive. And then we start. <laughs> yeah. I don't know having sex right and then to the wire and then he's just like but he's still crabby and then with he, the wire in the background the wire in the background <laughs> and then he dumps me during he's like you know did what you this have is a wire in your cervix at least so you didn't get pregnant <laughs> i did not get pregnant uh thank god yeah, um yeah but he he was like this isn't working and i was like do you want me to be on top and he was like no 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 <laughs> This whole relationship is not working. And I was just like, you are in me now. So what? And that's it was insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, that's, that is one of the most disturbing things I've ever Oh, heard. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to scar you guys. <laughs> Wait, so then are you like, okay, get out of me so we can talk about this more? Yeah. And he was like really crazy he was just in a really bad mood and he like didn't want to talk that much and he kind of left and then I was like sobbing to my roommate and she was like what and and then like then I went on a trip and like two weeks later yeah he came he he was like are you back from your trip I'm so sorry blah 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 and then he tried to take me to like an apology brunch where he was wearing a tank top and I was like this is over you know we can't do this anymore yeah 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 yeah. you don't wear a tank top to an apology brunch I mean that was a tangent but that was an incredible story okay good um (laughs) I like one of the one of the worst dating stories that I've heard and you hear some bad ones in New York but then after that, I, d- I met my husband doing stand up comedy in New York. Isn't yay. that that's the impossible story? That totally impossible. Is. Yeah, it is when you least expect it. Yeah, I, I just I can't. I mean, it's just a generally a bad idea to date other comics. I don't know. But I literally think that that was the, I do it, too. Don't worry. <laughs> but I, I think that was the universe being like, hey, remember when you said I'll just settle? Don't do that. Don't do that. Yes. They have gift cards, tank tops. They're going to dump you while they're inside of you. Oh, God. Have some standees. Yeah. Yeah. No. And in retrospect, wow. Gosh, I would be a really miserable lady if I was with that guy. I bet he didn't even know any trivia. He knew nothing. He was an idiot. He knew nothing. 
Wait, so can I ask about the book? Yes. Are these trivia things that you have just come across in your life? Like, did you know all these facts no. going into it? Because you have a bunch of different categories. Okay. Oh, yeah. How do you research the trivia? It's really hard. I thought it would be easier than it is because the internet is full of non-truth things, you know? Mm. I So I do actually, I mean, my editor and I made the choice to put a bibliography in the book because... You for just, sources. For sources. Yeah. You can't yeah. like everything. I just couldn't believe how many, I mean, there were things that I was just kind of interested in or had thought about, or I don't know. I, I mean, I had everything. I had like podcasts, I had apps on my phone. I was reading books constantly and I, you know, just sort of like looking for things that were of interest and sort of fit the categories that I had already, you know, sometimes the, the trivia that I would get would inform the category. Sometimes it was the other way around. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just really went on sort of a, knowledge quest um it helps my husband is he's very good at jeopardy and very good at trivia and so he was helpful mm-hmm. but yeah it was just sort of things that i thought would be happy that i was also interested in um and then honestly like checking against there were so many facts that i like i think one of them's like you can shoot an armadillo or something and it won't get hurt it'll hurt the armadillo don't shoot the armadillo don't like, that, shoot an armadillo that was like everywhere all over the internet and it was like and how did that rumor even start no but it's just like it gets by on... an evil child <laughs> yeah there are so many websites like that are like yeah these are all true and then oh no no these are not true yeah you know what i blame snapple facts because uh, I'm convinced that those are not like half of them even. No, that true. was the thing is some of them weren't true and you had to go onto the website to see if it was a fact or a fiction. Right. And that's why they would that, put real fact like in that. quotes. In quotes. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they made me think that a hummingbird weighs less than a penny. Oh, Definitely right. not true. Yeah. Definitely not true. Yeah, not true. So we are just going into the new year. Yep. Happy New Year. Do you have any 2024 resolutions, goals, mantras that you can share with us? Intentions. Well, I was listening to your guys last episode and I love what Lauren said about what it was like maintain and expand. 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 I love that because I want to be happy and productive and feel good about my art, whether or not I am or I'm not currently employed Mm -hmm. on a TV show, you know, so I that's that's part of it. And that's something that I've been working on since getting back from, you know, since the strike ended and everything. Um, I do have one resolution and it's so the opposite of my rejection resolution. I, I want to learn to cook one new recipe per month. That's it. That's it. That's great. My, okay. Are you already a cook? Not really, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've, Basically, what this came out of is that the people across the street at the burrito place know me and my husband's names and our orders. So I'm like, uh, <laughs> I just want to not have that happen anymore. You know, <laughs> like, see, that was a goal of mine for a while where it was like, everybody knows your name and your order. Like, that means you have made it in the neighborhood. That's totally true, especially for Brooklyn. Truly. Like, I was just about to say, I'm, I'm actually jealous because I would love to have a burrito place across the street that was solid enough yeah. to frequent. Yeah. Will you be doing a certain cookbook or just no winging it? No. Yeah. I think I'm I'm just going to, I, I want to, I don't know. I got this Mediterranean cookbook my dad got me. It's got a lot of chickpea stuff in it. That seems good. I don't know. I'm just going to try stuff until I find stuff that I like. Sounds great. Do you have any dietary restrictions? Yeah, I don't eat meat or fish. So that makes okay, it hard. That's important to know because I'm going to send you some recipes. Yes, I, I, thank I have you. a couple good ones. I'm not a... 
I, I'm not a home cook by any stretch, but I have some go-tos that are good for like beginners because that's uh, forever beginner. Yes, me too. Please. Thank you. I just, I'm like, okay, if they know us across the street at the burrito place, I need to just spend some time in the kitchen. Just learn about food. Make a couple nice things. Yeah. Yeah. Learn how to cook something fun, yeah. like an eggplant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was one of our listeners. I heard yeah. you guys. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eggplants are so hard. That, that, that's advanced to me. Yeah. What advice do you have for our listeners who are wanting to put themselves out there more this year, but who might be struggling with the concept of rejection? Well, one you know, it does get easier with time. But two, I think like if you're if you're not sure if you're ready or you're not sure what to do, I mean, I, I err on the side of go for it unless you're, you know, unless I always say like, I'm not going to qualify. Right, for. right, right, right. I'm not going to go try out for the WNBA when I know that I can't make a shot if that, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think like for a lot of people, in more creative careers, it's really hard to figure out where to start and how to start. And that kept me from starting for a long time because I was like, I don't like the idea of improv. I'm too afraid to start stand up. I just want to be a writer. And so for like five years, I just kept saying, I just want to be a writer. And I'm like, well, that's not helping. So take the classes. Mm -hmm. I think just, you know, if you can take a class, if you can go to open mics, if you can do these, like, do whatever the thing is, like, just try because sitting there saying, I'm going to write that five minutes, I'm going to write that script, I'm going to do that. It's, it's, it doesn't help. It doesn't help anybody. Yeah. And if you don't have money for classes, YouTube University. Yes. There is a world of knowledge out there for you. Absolutely. Totally agree. Emily, this has been so much fun having you on. I hope that you're in New York soon and we can all see your stand up. Um, I will be in New York in March. Ooh. So Remy, you do stand up. Emily, do you do stand up? No, I stopped doing stand up in 2020 and I never looked back. Oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I'm like happier than I've ever been. You, you just, when you do it for so long, even if it makes you unhappy, you're like fueled by that unhappiness. Yes. I'm sure you know what I'm talking yes. about when I say that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like I wasn't growing for a while when I was doing it like every single day up until the pandemic. I didn't feel like it, it took me longer to get my jokes to work because I wasn't in it, if that makes sense. I was going through the motions. Yeah. Because you don't like your jokes. That, it's the same thing with if you're getting rejected for something that you don't believe in, you're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I think part of it too was like, I just like, I couldn't keep up with the writing like I wasn't I didn't want to be a full-time stand-up so but then when you're doing so much stand-up you feel like so much pressure to keep writing all these new jokes but I'm like yeah but you're true like I didn't really like them I was like what am I doing anyway I still love yeah. doing stand-up Although, as a writer I, I mean it is helpful to be constantly writing new jokes just the act of doing yes. it becomes like muscle memory absolutely well Remy please do my show in uh March I do this one show with 64 oh God, comics it's called One Liner Madness. It's at the Bell House, March 13th. And it's 64 yeah. comedians doing one-liners in a March Madness style. Bracket? Bracket, yeah. And uh, oh, I have seen that show before. And oh. how did I not know that you were involved in Oh, yeah, it's I crazy. host that show. It's a great show. Thank you. Yeah, we do it for charity every year. So, Remy, I'll I'll, I'll bug you about it later. But um, I would love to have you on. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Thank you. Yeah, it'll be great. Where can people find you and follow you in the meantime? You can find me and follow me at emilymc winter i think that's yeah emily mc winter on instagram i barely ever go on x anymore and i'm on tiktok at three Emily winter nice yeah 
The backwards E. Got to backwards love it. E. You guys, that's it for today's episode. Emily, thank you so much for being with us. Can't wait to do your show. Listeners, be sure to send your recipes. If you have good yes. recipes, you can send them to Emily or send your questions to us at DST at Betches.com to get them answered and follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram. Guys, if you like this episode, please write us a review and don't forget to check out our DST merch on shop.betches.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. And while you're at it, follow me at Lubination. Follow me at Remy Casimir and follow Emily. And remember, we're always with you through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Rebecca Steinberg and Lauren Hope Crass. Editing by Rebecca Steinberg. Social media by Lauren Hope Crass. And guest booking by Allie Friedlander. Be sure to follow Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com or your voicemails to 212-287-5650. Betches.